love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, I'm looking at both of our nails on the Zoom video here as I chat with you. Both are neon, but we had very different weekends, um, both requiring like race day nail situations, essentially. So tell me, I feel like, I feel like the, well, I don't, I mean, I don't want to slight my own weekend, I guess, but I am super excited to talk to you about your like super amazing day. I mean, I was kind of laughing to myself. You finished ninth at the PTO US Open in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this past weekend. And Haley, last week when I was talking to you, you were worried about like potentially getting lapped, right? And so I was just like giggling to myself as I watched the coverage, seeing how well you were doing, you were crushing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, Haley was like, honestly worried. And I knew she would rise to this occasion. And I was like, I should just be her hype girl. Cause I knew she was going to rise to the occasion and crush it. And you did. So congratulations. How does it feel? How was the whole race experience? I mean, we need all of the details, I think. No, oh, thank you, Alyssa. I need all the, I need all the hype girls. So if anyone wants to <laughs> take those roles, no, I, I, ha- I am lucky that I had some few people. I also don't think my, uh, my fear of getting left on the bike was like Taylor Nib is racing, incredible, incredible athlete. And, um, you know, if you get left out, you like, you can't finish the race. And so I think I actually shared that fear with a lot of the rest of the field, but in a good way, you know, we like racing Taylor because it is cha- extra challenging, but, um, I also, you know, want to finish under my own power, but, um, but yes, yeah, so I did. I just got back from Milwaukee. I raced the PTO US Open. This is my first uh, PTO Open event. I, I I was an alternate for the Collins Cup uh, in 2021. So I kind of had a little bit of PTO experience there, but I did really, really want that to see what these races are like. They're big money races, $600,000 prize purse, a hundred grand for first place. You know, it's like, uh, they pay you, uh, you know, you get $2,000 if you finish. So that's like very unique in our sport because a lot of the times, you know, the first call people make some money and then you can have a solid race at some races, including like Ironman world championship, 70.3 world championship and make $0. And so, uh, this is pretty cool that the PTO, you know, helps pay, at least it helps like offset your, your travel expenses. And, um, unique situation where the race was going on in conjunction with the, uh, USAT age group nationals, which were happening in Milwaukee at the same time, same weekend. And so that was pretty cool. You have like, I think 6,000 age groupers racing and then, uh, over the, the couple days, and then you have the men's race was at 4 PM on Friday night. The women's race was 4 PM on Saturday night. Very nervous about that. It was a unique experience having a start so late in the day. And, and I did go really, really nervous. I mean, the field was so deep and so strong. And I just, I, I was very nervous about racing. Cause I, I, it's not like I, I didn't have a ton of uh, prep time. I think I found out I was, I was in like three weeks before that I got to roll down and, um, you know, my focus has been Kona and Ironman. I was coming off Coeur d'Alene and this is a hundred kilometers. So two K swim 80 K or 50 mile bike. And 18 K or 10 and a half mile run slightly like a little faster. Um, but as you, you told me before, like 
I've had good success at some of these like shorter races like Daytona and Miami. And that is kind of what it felt like. Cause you have a bunch of laps and, um, a fairly fast course and really stiff competition and, you know, really close, um, you know, margins between you and the other competitors. And so, uh, the best thing honestly was, was getting to watch some of the men's race on Friday. Like that was actually like watching even some of the like coverage and all that. It was like, wow, that's so cool. You know, like getting to see that. And I was like, I get to be a part of that. Like, that's me, even though like it was, it was unique because whenever I've done a men and women race where we race at separate times, women have always gone first and in honesty, I kind of prefer that. Like I like getting it done and then cheering for the men, but, um, but this was kind of different to get to watch the men go first. And it was really motivating and really inspire inspiring. And like just the coolest thing, I think that's like when I felt like, okay, I'm so happy. I get to be part of this. I'm like a little less nervous and a little more excited that tomorrow, you know, 24 hours, four hours from now, that's going to be me rolling my bike in a transition. That's going to be me. Like the, the crowds that were around to like cheer for them because of having it, it, you know, coincided with the nationals. It was really cool. Like there were the energy in the air before that swim start was like, wow, this is a neat event and watching, you know, Jan Frodeno and Christian Blumenfeld and some of these like really top performers walk down onto that pontoon and get ready for the start and watching them swim and come through, um, the two laps was just like, this is awesome, you know? And, and then, um, the only thing that was hard was like, I, I wanted to stay and watch like the whole race. And I'm like, I've got to go get off my feet. Like I've got to go get dinner and, um, get ready for my own race. And so that was like the hardest thing, you know, that they had covered. And so I could kind of switch to my phone. And so at dinner, I'm like on my phone, like watching men's race play out. And, um, it was also interesting because it reminded me that like, it was unexpected. Like I didn't think, you know, it wasn't exactly how everyone thought it would play out. Watching Christian come off the bike, like totally cramping was like, okay, that was a good reminder that it was like, this is a really hard bike course, even though it's fast, even though it's flat, like it's hard. Was it also a good reminder to watch Jan stuck in his swim skin when he was trying to mount his bike that you should remove your swim skin before you get on the bike? I know. I know this is like the Iron Woman podcast, but again, we're talking a lot of the men's race, but it was, it was, it was a learning experience for me, but yes. Okay. That made me feel bad or better one, because sometimes my transitions are not the best. And it's like, okay, even Jan Ferdano sometimes forgets that he has a swim skin on. And two, I like had watched him come out of transition. I was like, kind of like sitting like down there on the bike course where I was watching and he was riding his TT bike with no hands. And I was like, oh what is going on? And he was like zipping up and pulling up his like suit while riding his TT. I was like, wow, that guy has some his headset must skills. be like very tight, so it's not wobbly up front or something like that. I, I don't, don't know. know how you do that because like the center of gravity, yeah, the center of gravity yeah. on your GT does not like set up well for no, no hands no. riding. And um, so it was very impressive. And also just like there were times during that bike ride where I thought Jan was out of it, even coming out, like it felt like he was too far back coming mm-hmm. out of the swim, and then like watching him like run and win is like wow. Like it's just, it's a nice, nice to like, get to be on that side on the spectator side. It was similar last year when I got to watch Kona for the men. Um, it's just, I don't get that perspective all the time. I mean, we could, you can sit and watch it like at home, but actually getting to like, see the emotions, like seeing it in person. Like I learned so much. There were so many valuable lessons I think for, for racing and, um, watching Jason West run mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. It is like never over and watching him like hold off Christian Blumenfeld and watching Blumenfeld, like you know, stop, 
And then wrap. Yes. It was just like, it was so cool. So I actually went into it, like feeling pretty excited. I get to be part of this, um, you know, and, and even, you know, so the men that I knew didn't have as good a days as they wanted. Like I was like, I still had so much respect for them being out there. And so I was like, that helped me have a little grace for myself. Like if I do have a not as good day, like there's still so many good things and it's still so cool to be part of it. And I was like, I, I don't know, that actually was like probably one of the most helpful things for me going into this race. And then um, it is weird getting to like sleep in on race yeah, morning. What, what was your day? Like, what did you end up eating? What did you like? How did you do that? Yeah. So I slept in, I like as late as I could, which probably was like seven. Um, it was, it was a 4 PM start time for our listeners. If yeah. You remember, 4 PM, which was very late. Yes. And so then I like went and, um, I got my, I went and like made a little waffle at the hotel because, Ooh. you know, I love that. I love the hotels with waffle irons. So, um, that was what I had for breakfast. And I just kind of went down there and I was like a little nerve wracking. There were a couple of other pros and actually a couple of the pro men that were down there. Um, but I was like, I didn't really talk to anyone cause I was nervous and I just really wanted my waffle. And then, um, oh, except for Kat, Kat Matthews husband did think I was an age grouper, but oh. he did apologize. He just said he doesn't recognize me without my, some cap. So oh my God. But he was nice. He was very nice. He was like going to tell nice thing about where you sing an age group and I was like sing your wife but uh but it was fair enough I was like disheveled not wearing neon wearing my glasses and I was like incog- incognito mode anyway so that happens actually quite frequently that no one recognizes me um if I'm not in neon so uh no hard feelings he cheered for me on the race so we're good he makes um, up that makes up for it good job yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but it was just uh it was, it was, it was a chill morning. And then I, since we had our bikes and I actually had a trainer that I travel with, I did like a 30 minute shakeout ride, like just in the hotel room. And cause I just thought of it as like, when I was a swimmer, if I had like finals, that kind of thing, I'm like, Oh, I would do like a little workout or like go do an easy swim. And then, um, you know, in the morning and then rest and then go back for finals. So I was like, okay, I think I'm just going to set this like that. So I did like an easy ride. And then we actually had to take our bikes, like to get that race ranger put on. So I got to race with the race ranger, which is like the radar that shows distance between you and the bike in front of you, um, which was pretty cool. I liked it. Like it was pretty cool, but we had to get that like installed in the morning and then took my bike back. And then I literally like kind of just like chilled out. Like I just like laid in bed and just kind of like tried to, you know, read some like happy things, just keep things like really light and happy. And, um, you know, I just, I kind of wasn't on social media a lot and just sort of didn't really, I don't know. It was just kind of chill. I think I might've like called my mom, (laughs) um, you know, just try to keep things like light and happy. And then I tried basically once I got to like 1 p.m., which was like about three hours before the race start to have a normal race morning. So I like took a shower. I um ate some oatmeal and like I literally just like had my normal race routine and for like the three hours leading into the race. And I think it worked out pretty well. Like I I, you know, my, my stomach seemed okay and it was, um, it was weird going to a race at 4 PM. Like it was also just like, there was a wedding that was set up like the venue, which was also bizarre. I was like wondering who this is. It's like getting married during this oh track. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, can you imagine? It's like, you know, like saying your I do's and they're like, Taylor, no, round in the corner. Um, but I mean, it was a spectacular venue for the race right on Lake Michigan. Um, but it was, it was, it was 
cool to walk into and it was cool to get everything set up. Um, we had like a little athlete lounge area. We, oh, that was the other thing I had to get like a GPS, like a pocket sewn into my sports bra, um, so that you could put a GPS unit in your, in your back, which, um, wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, but, um, got those heart rate monitors, timing chips. There's a lot of like gadgets for these races. Um, we, there was like question on whether it was wetsuit or non-wetsuit until like the last minute. So I was excited. It was non-wetsuit just because I'd swum without a wetsuit the days before and it felt not that cold. So for me, um, and yeah, then we just like lined up and got to walk out there and it was just like, it was, I love the, I I love a dive start we don't get those very often in triathlon. And, um, it was, that was fun for me. And I felt like I started out really, really well. And, um, I was kind of close to Rebecca Clark and we did kind of, and Lauren Brandon and we converged and I was like with them for a little bit. And then I think they, it was a, I kind of slowed down, which was weird. Like that doesn't normally happen, but I was like, okay, I can't quite stay on Lauren's feet, but Taylor and Rebecca went by me and then they took like a, they went far left. And I just was like, I'm not going with them. I'm like, I'm too old for this. I'm going straight. <laughs> so that was like a, an interesting thing. I thought maybe I'd get catch back up with them. Um, either like, you know, converge in the water or, you know, on the Aussie exit. So we actually had to run pretty far in between the laps and, um, I didn't quite, but I think I closed the gap. I kept the gap manageable and I just tried to tell myself it's a long day. And like, as long as you're like within sort of like striking distance, like you're doing okay. And so I came out of the water fourth and I was happy with that. And I think my tr- first transition was actually pretty good, which was Ooh, very exciting. Nice. Um, and I was ahead of Taylor Nib for like one second, which I made sure to enjoy that one second. And I'm like, <laughs> um, and then I, on the bike, it was like, it was pretty cool, like riding and just having, uh, the group come by me, but having race ranger, like mm-hmm. it's it's So when you get within 20 meters, it would blink. You'd see on the bike in front of you, like it would be red blinking lights. And so it just kind of helps take that guesswork out of it. And, um, and so it was just like, when we were in that group, it was, it was just kind of like, try to keep, um, the light when you're like just over between 20 and 21, I think is blue. And so you like really want to see the blue light. And so I wasn't even like looking at my power meter. wasn't looking at anything. I was like, okay, we're just going to race this, like enjoy this. And I haven't looked at my file, but I know that it was way higher power than I normally would have pushed, but I was like, I'm in this race. And so you had like the big group come by with like Ash Gentle and Paula Finley and Holly Lawrence and Ellie Salthouse. And I think I was riding behind uh, Holly for a little while. And I mean, it was really hard, but I was also like, this is such a cool moment in my life. Cause I'm like, I have never, I think I was like at four miles in and I'm like, I have never ridden four miles with these women before. And so I was just like, kind of trying to celebrate those moments, um, and trying to stay with them. And I think I stayed with them for like two out of seven laps, um, which was, I was really proud of that. And you know, it gets a little hard mentally when you like fall off. And I was just like, oh no, but I tried to really stay in a good headspace where I'm like, that's the longest you've ever stayed with them. They're still in like sight distance. You're doing okay. Um, I tried on like the third lap, we had an uphill, like to just like go crazy on the uphill and like close the gap. And I just couldn't quite do it. And, um, but it was just, I, I think my mindset stayed pretty positive the whole time. And and then it got like a little chaotic because it just honestly was like your brain when you're doing all those loops, it's really hard to keep track of things. And I was just trying to go as hard as I possibly could. And I had a few others come by me and I was just like, I have no idea what place I'm in, but it seems like 
because on the loops, you can see kind of how, how much time people are putting into you. And it was like, I'm not getting like that far behind and I'm not getting like, you know, some of the people that were behind me, I'm like, wow, those are people I've never been in front of this long. So, um, maybe I'm not doing that bad. And then, uh, I do want to give a shout out to Danny Kleisner, who's like the German woman who she got really cold in the swim and came out pretty far back. And again, the rules, if Taylor laps you, you're out and, or whoever the first athlete was, who in this case was Taylor Nib. <laughs> yeah, right. And so Danny was pretty, she was pretty far back and, um, she was riding out of her mind. Like she had the moto behind her and she knew Taylor was coming and like, she has to get through like six laps. And it was just like, I mean, it was like one of those things where you're like riding, but then you're also like checking on her when you're like going by and you're like, I mean, she's riding really well. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, I, is she going to get, is she going to manage it? Is she going to, is she going to get to keep going? And I think she, she said she, um, held off Taylor by like a minute or minute and a half. Wow. And she said, I talked to her afterwards and she was just like, yeah, it was so much pressure. <laughs> so stressful. Yeah. But she made it and like made it on the run. And it was, um, definitely like a little race within a race, but um, but yeah, kudos to her. She's a young, young German athlete and it was, um, great to meet her as well. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a fast and furious bike. And I think I, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can hold this and just kind of trying to hang on to that. But it seems like that might've been the consensus along a lot of the women, because then you come off the, the bike and you have five laps of running. And I, my second transition was a little slow. Cause I just wanted to I wanted to run into sports bra and I know that there was like a lot of confusion after Matt Sharp's DQ in Maine on like, can you run with your like sleeves down? And I talked to the technical official before and he said like, I'm like, can I run in a sports bra? And, um, and he said, yes, as long as like I tuck in all the like sleeves and stuff, I'm not sure why sleeves are dangerous, but, um, but I, I tried to do that. So I gave myself a little bit of time in, in transition just to make sure I was like, don't get DQ'd. And, um, but I'm glad I did that because I just, I feel so much better running in a sports bra. I like, I don't know what it is about my shoulders, but, um, but it's just, yeah, it feels better. And then I was just like running as fast as I possibly could. Like I was running, I was like, I was like, it's only 10 miles. I can see, I like, I can hang on for 10 miles. Cause I had, and the loops are probably nice for that. Like, I like that. It's like five loops, right? Like a mile out, a mile back. Right. Like I'm sure it gets old, but it's like, you can do one more mile. You can do one more out, you know? And it's like, I don't know. Yes. I feel like sounding like that is, is nice rather than, and you like, know, where the aid station, no way. Yeah. And like, you know, where the aid stations are, yeah. you get to see like people, you know, and certain yeah. spectators and people cheering. And so it was, it was super nice. And Anne Richman, I came into transition with Anne Richman and then she kind of got me and I know she's like an incredible runner. And so it was kind of nice having her in front of me. I could see her and it was like a, a carrot sort of. And, um, and so I was just, yes, it was exactly that. And Alyssa, one of the spectators out cheering was none other than Jan Ferdano, which was so cool. <laughs> it was so cool. Like he was out kind of at the far end. And I think he, he's, I, I talked to him a little bit after, and he said, he like knew that was like a place where you kind of needed a spectator. He's like at the turnaround, you have so many, like there were so many spectators at the, you know, close to transition, but, um, further out, you're out of this park and it was just like a little quieter out there. And it was just one of those cool things where I'm like, Oh my goodness, there's like gold medalist, Ironman world champion, 70.3 world champion, PTO men's us open champion. Like he could have didn't have to be there. And 
you know, it's been 24 hours since his race, but it was cool. He was out there cheering for all the pro women. And I have a lot of, I mean, I don't know him super well, but a lot of respect for him. I mean, it was similar to in Kona when he was volunteering at the aid station and you see him and it's like, what? And it gives you that little boost. And I was like, Hey, run like Jan, run like, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I was trying to just like press as much as I possibly could. And I think I, I actually kind of was getting close to Anne, which was so cool. And then we ended up passing a few women all at once. And some of them were like, I, I, I was not women I expected to see again. Um, and I, I didn't really know exactly what place I was in. I think when I first started, someone said 12th and I was like, no way. Cause I just never in a million years thought I would be 12th in the U S open. And, um, and then I knew I had some really fast runners behind me too. So I was like coming off the bike behind me and I was like, okay, you know, you got to keep going. And then suddenly, like, I think India Lee was having a tough run and I didn't even remember passing her if we like saw her, but, um, but it was just like, somehow I was in ninth and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm top 10. What? Like, and I will say, even though with like five laps starts to feel very, very long. Um, and I just tried to remember by myself, I'm like, you're an Ironman athlete. This isn't that far for you. This is further for other people and you can do 10 miles. Like my first 10 miles, a quarter lane were pretty solid. So I was like, you have 10 miles in you. And so I just, so was like trying really hard to like keep that pressure on. And, um, and you know, Anne did get me a little bit more. I slowed a little bit and I, I knew I wasn't probably going to catch her. And then I did on the last split, I got a, uh, a split to like 140 to sky. I didn't realize Tamara was like behind sky and I, uh, 140 to Tamara probably isn't enough, <laughs> but I was also like listening for cheers and, um, that kind of thing. And, and it was cool when you go through transition, you could also hear, like, I could hear what the gap was between Taylor Niv and Ashley gentle, which was fun to like, kind of hear about that as well. The race that was going on in front and, um, and then, uh, yeah, crossing the line. I, so I came through and I, I, I didn't think I had anyone too close behind me. And I just, these last couple of years, I feel like I, I'm trying to, I've been trying to like embrace like the finish line a little bit more just, um, because I don't know how many more of these I have in me. And so I was like, really, I was like, okay, soak it up and really enjoy this. Give the high fives. And I saw my friends, Betty and Ernie, like on the far right side, I was like giving high fives on the left. And so I like ran over to the far right and <laughs> gave them a high five. And then all of a sudden I'm like on the ground. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I don't know what happened. I'm like one foot in front of the like finish line. And I was just like, my face is on the carpet. <laughs> and I was just like, so mortified. I'm like, this has never happened. I don't know if I like tripped over like, you know, a wrinkle in the carpet or what. I, bet, I mean, I think it's actually very easy on the carpets to like get tripped up, especially with super shoes these days. I think it's like the wrinkles. I think it's like a treacherous spot for sure. But I have to say like, you're... It was just like a, like you, you like tripped and rolled, like you rolled towards the finish line, like got yourself over the finish line as you were like getting up. And it was just like very graceful. Like, it, I mean, obviously you didn't mean to do it, but like, it, it like looked so seamless. I was like, well, you know, like she pulled it off. Like it's totally fine. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely was like, and there's like a wall of photographers there. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Um, but it was just, it shocked me. I mean, I definitely had like a lot of adrenaline from the race. I've also been drinking caffeine, like since 7am and like, it was just like, oh my goodness. I can't believe I just did that. Like, this is probably one of the best races of my entire career. And so I got across the finish line, but, um, but I made it, you know, I, I held on to ninth and then, 
Um, I was uninjured, but it was one of those things where I was like, okay, surely like since I was that far back, it wasn't on the live stream or anything. And by the time I got to my phone, like every text message was like, are you okay? Are you okay? Except for my mom who had like videotaped it. And she's like, oh my God, I got your fall. She was like videoing her TV as I was coming across the line and managed to catch me falling. So, um, that was like, you know, definitely a mom thing, but I, I am okay. Just, you know, a little ego (laughs) check. I mean, I think the swim skin snafu was way more embarrassing than tripping. Cause like we all know how easy the tripping can be. Like when we're just, you know, like I think that happens to anyone. And I think actually our listeners are going to be like happy that you trip because now inevitably when like all of us trip at some point, we're going to be like, well, Haley did it too. And it's totally fine. We're just being like Haley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I do thank you to everyone who cheered for me in, uh, in Milwaukee, there were, you know, I had a, I had to do it for cowboy cheer. I have a lot of like, I love your nails. Like we mentioned the neon nails are, you know, there's a reason I do that. I like the cheers. Um, a lot of people come in my kit, the watermelon kit, my, uh, neon mock apparel kit. So I was like, that's fun. It does stand out. And I think it does help me get a few extra cheers. And, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm super happy. Like that was such a, uh, that was beyond my wildest, you know, ambitions for that performance. And, I now am excited to kind of recover and get back to training and just like, see what I can do in Kona. Cause I'm like, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm in a really good spot. Um, you know, I got to figure out those last 16 miles, but I'm like, okay, I have a lot of confidence that gave me a little confidence boost. I needed in my run, I think coming after Coeur d'Alene. And so I'm like, I have a few months to train and I just want to give myself the best possible shot at a, a solid race in Kona. And I know that's also going to be a really strong field and uh, championship fields, they are, they're, they're hard and it's really fast and you have to be like, at, you know, on it and help you bring out your best. And so I'll hopefully, hopefully I need to like record myself saying that and remind myself as I, as I had a cone on those days when it's like, you get so nervous, but, um, well, I, I think you I think everyone who cheered online and, and from far, I think so. you, I think you do have to remember like some of the really good takeaways of racing a format like this with the short loops, because that's something we would never see. Like we never get to see a short loops Ironman circuit. Right. And so I think it's probably super valuable for you, someone who is at the front pointy end of a race, right? Like to be in a championship field of that type of caliber and get to see what happens ahead of you when girls do come up and to see that play out and be like, Oh, you know what? They're like Taylor nips, not putting that much time to lap me. Right. Like they're not gaining so much. Right. And to actually see that, because I think we're sometimes our own worst enemies in what we think is happening as the race plays out, if we get past or something like that. And so I think that's something hopefully that you'll remember as you, you know, you're out on the highway in Kona and not getting to necessarily see the women after a certain point, but to remember that and to like, stay confident and to stay like, strong in your own mind of, you know, just because they're up there doesn't mean that they're then really far up there, you know, like you're still in it and you're still a contender. I think that's like such a valuable thing for you to take into, into Kona. And so that's really cool that you got to race that format and got to see that play out. And hopefully, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really exciting to watch. I think these PTO races have done a really good job, um, with the spectating. They're definitely like continuing to fine tune some of the commentating and, um, the camera, like I, I would have, you know, I think my like 
only <laughs> real complaint would be like, I would have loved to see how it, the run was playing out, not just for Taylor and Ashley, right? Um, like we didn't get to see a lot of things going on and there was some like switching, right? Like I think there's a lot of interesting things going on in the women's race and that like three to 10 spots, right? As things shuffled around a bit and we didn't have eyes on that really like at all much. So, um, but I, I get it. They're figuring it out. It's getting, um, getting better and it is getting exciting. I think to see more, you know, it's not long course, long course, but it's longer course triathlon that we're getting to like spectate. Right. And that's exciting. Yes. And I need to give one more shout out to, uh, who is the local Milwaukee pro. We had her on the show a few months ago and, um, she was like, basically the like Milwaukee guide for like the whole PTO. I think, um, I mean, she worked so hard. She was like, there would be times where like they, you know, had suggested a pool for us and then like someone got there and the pool was closed. And so she's like coordinating with another pool in Milwaukee Oof. and like I have for, yeah, people to swim. She also organized the after party, um, at a bar that I think sponsors her. And so that was also, I mean, it's like, I, it was literally like, we were like in the like athlete lounge area, like after the race. So this, this is also like, this is also the weird thing. It's like eight 30 at night, right after the race. And we're like in this, I get this like WhatsApp message from Anna being like, Oh, after party at nine 30 at this bar. And I was like, wait, you're like standing right there. I'm like, you just like crossed the finish line and immediately went into like planning the after organizing this That's after awesome. party. And so I don't know how she had the ability to do that, but, um, it was, it was great and it was fun. So thank you to, to Anna for her hospitality. She definitely showcased Milwaukee and I, she has a lot of, I mean, they love her in Milwaukee. I will say they had like a, a lot of giant Anna heads, like all over. I course. saw those on her Instagram. <laughs> I loved it. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But they, I know it was, it, that was really cool. Cause that's, it's hard to do that. It is very hard to also be racing and also be like playing tour guide. So, um, thanks to her and hopefully, you know, someone at all these locations or else the PTO can like get local guides at every location. Cause that does help a lot. I also did appreciate, I didn't, I don't think I watched the coverage till the like podium ceremony of the women's race, but I know for the guys, they had the guys in like cheese heads and like, yes. and I think Miller high life is their celebration drink, which is Pretty amazing. Um, I mean, that's like true Wisconsin through and through, um, very on brand. And like, I, I like can't get enough of that type of thing. So I love that. I thought that was the a really Jesus were amazing. I know they embraced Wisconsin. I will get the PTO credit for that as well. That was, that was fantastic, but okay. Alyssa, we, okay. The other big event this weekend. Okay. We got to hear about Taylor Swift at SoFi. I purposely like, haven't been on social media much. And part of me was like, I don't want to, I want to hear about it. Like from you in person. I don't know what, so what were the surprise songs? What was everything? How was your outfit? Tell me the whole story. So, um, the gosh, where, where to even begin? So we went, my sister had to work. So we planned, um, to get there early, but it was like a you know, we were a little nervous on the timing of everything and it was going to depend on crowds and things like that. But, um, she got off of work early for, which for my sister is like a big deal. So like be home early slash on time for most normal people. Right. But got there, we had, um, like a ride scheduled to take us to SoFi stadium. And then we, you know, got out, started walking and I was like, okay, first order of business is finding the merch tent situation because I'm buying t-shirts for us. And like, we are getting that out of the way, um, first. Right. So, I mean, it was so interesting to see how 
differently. I mean, I haven't been to a big concert in a really long time anyway, but, um, you know, I, it, everything just felt very like everything from that side, like that, I feel like Taylor may have had a hand in or her team had a hand in felt like so efficient, right? Like the, the merch lines were pretty long, but like they moved fast, right? They had a good system. It was like very like simple things. Here's your, you know, there wasn't a lot of like, they had a lot of stations for it too. Like it was all just so like well-planned, well thought out, right? Whatever. So we did, we waited in line. I want to say it was probably like a 45 minute wait in line for the merch and we got the t-shirt. So I got like the black one with the squares of all the different like eras heads of her. Right. And then my sister got the tan, taupe one, tan, yellow. I don't know, whatever you want to call beige. Um, and it was hard not to like get all of them. Cause as we were there, we were like, Oh my God, we want all. I bought like three. I bought like three. I was like, (laughs) not anything and I was like I need this and this and this I know no, I'm totally merch. in a mode where I'm like trying not to bring in more clothes but I was like this is like obviously I was like Leah was like I don't know I was like Leah I'm getting you one so like you have to pick I was like this is like the, the t-shirt that's gonna go with like our like Obama shirts right from from that time like this is like the timeless piece that we like keep forever and ever so um while we were standing in line obviously great people watching opportunities and I mean, the best thing I can say is that it really is like, you were so right that it is like, everyone is so nice. It is like the happiest place on earth. Like I swear there is no happier place. I don't think I've ever been to where it's just so happy. Everyone's in good moods. Everyone's like dressed up. Some people are like silly dressed up. Some people are like, you know, like obviously put a ton of thought and effort into their outfits and like, everyone's just so happy, like offering to take selfies with each other. And like, or like for each other and, you know, being like, oh no, we need, I got to redo it. Like, Did you trade any friendships? Okay. So I was really nervous about that because that's way outside my comfort zone. And I didn't spoiler alert, like we didn't get there, but I did see it happening. But I also did to your point too. see a lot of times, like I saw a handful of times when someone asked and then the person said, no. (laughs) So I was like, I I was like, that's going to be me that I'm going to finally get up the nerve to like, go ask and like, figure out what the situation is. And the girls gonna be like, no, these are like extra fancy ones. Like I'm not trading for your like riffraff one. Right. So, um, I, but I did enjoy that. They were, there was a lot of trading with some of the like concession stand people who turns out were actually volunteers. And so I was like, that's actually really, I was like, I'm not sure the legality of this really, but like, it is like a nice way, I guess, to see the concert if you want to get in there because, um, they, yeah, the woman was just like, I'm a volunteer because like the concessions SoFi Stadium could get their act together a little bit more. It seemed like they, I don't know if they were like, it's a concert for women. They're not going to eat that much or something, but like there was a lot of issues getting food um, there. And so usually, usually though, everyone will be stressed out. Everyone will be angry, but again, happiest place on earth. We were like, meh, I guess we're standing in line for a while, (laughs) you know? And the women behind the counter were like, yep, we're volunteers. So like, we're not even upset. Right. Like um, so even like that was actually a happy experience, which was weird. Um, so that was probably the only like misstep with the timing was we didn't account for a very long, really, really slow line for food. Um, and so we did end up seeing Heim, um, from our food line, which had a great view of the big screen. So we could like see that all, um, like very well on the screen at least, but we weren't in our seats for Heim, which was like probably, you know, what we intended to do, I guess. Um, but got to the seats, Taylor comes on. She, um, she came on a little bit later than we expected. I was kind of expecting it to be like very, very prompt to what like the internet was saying, but 
a little bit after like probably like 845, 850, she came on and um, Haley, I mean, proceeds, we proceed to have the next like three, three and a half hours of just Taylor Swift greatness. And it was, our seats were really, really high up. We were like only, I probably like 10 or so like rows from the, the top of the stadium. Um, but we didn't have an obstructed view, which was nice. And I mean, her performance is just so big and so like epic, right? That you can sit anywhere, they give you a ticket and you're going to get good views of, of the things you want to see and the screens there anyway. So like, that's what you're watching most of the time anyway, I feel like. And it was just, again, it's like everyone there is so happy. Taylor is just so happy to be like living this life that she is. And it's just so clear that she loves performing. And I just, I keep waiting for the concert where I'm going to read like, you know, Taylor's energy seemed a little down and like, she seemed a little tired tonight. Right. And because I'm like, it's gotta happen. I mean, this woman is amazing. And she just like brings it. I mean, (laughs) it's the most incredible athletic feat you've ever seen. Right. Like that's how I felt. I was like, this is Taylor Nib, Katie Ledecky, like level, like like athletic performance. Right. No, I mean, it really is. And I don't think like, I, you know, I just, I don't know if everyone truly appreciates like kind of, yeah, what it takes, I feel like to do that because I just, I mean, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was really cool. There was a lot of camera. Did you have cameras around? I guess that's one thing I haven't had much time to like scour Twitter and the internet and stuff to see. Um, but I think I thought that I read that there were rumors that there were like way more at SoFi, like that she was filming for the documentary. So maybe you had more cameras. What what uh, was your, did Haim, did she play with Haim? Did she play Nobody No Crime? She brought them out for Nobody No Crime. And then they each, like they changed the song a little bit to be, um, they each, like each of the women from Haim um, had, like a part of nobody, no crime, which is cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was, she brought them out for that. I'm trying to think the secret surprise surprise songs were our song. Which oh, which she played again. Right. So that was like a controversial, controversial thing, but I guess I did read the internet for this. So I am lying a little bit is that, um, people think she was playing it again to get that into the documentary, but, okay. um, you know, I mean, I don't know. No one's really sure. Right. But cause they were like, she said she would only play a repeat surprise song if she messed it up and she didn't mess it up in like Austin or Houston or wherever she played it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that was the first surprise song. The second surprise song, which I actually was surprised of. And I was like, oh, I should have been better prepared for this. It was, um, you are in love from 1989. Oh. And so, I mean, it's one of her like really good songs, but I do think it's like underrated unless you're like a real Swifty. So I, I feel like the crowd, it was like an interesting thing. Cause like, I think a lot of people weren't ready for that to be the one. Right. And so, um, like I know I wasn't and I know like I know the song but it's not one that's like a top of my playlist all the time right but then she played it and I was like this should be the top of my playlist all the time like this is one of her best songs you know so um but yeah and then she I like that you don't have to wait and wonder like is she coming back for an encore you know like it's just nope she's done this is like every good song and like what else is there to even be an encore really right so mm-hmm. um it was it was great and then we yeah you then we wrapped up and I wore my t-shirt to bed and then I wore my t-shirt all the next day and the next day. 
Yes. That's exactly. Yes. That was like exactly same, same. I mean, I'm surprised I'm not wearing one now. I know. I was like, it's, I need to wash it at some point. So I won't wear it on the podcast recording, but it was, I mean, yeah, you just like even flying home last night, it was like running into people with the t-shirt on. You just like exchange yeah. the glance. You're like, oh yeah. Like people would see my nails and be like, oh, did you go to Taylor Swift? I'm like, yes, I did. And it was amazing. So Aww. I will say that I am so grateful to my sister for taking me and getting me to go. Cause I had thought I wasn't going to go. And it, for the people out there who like me were like, no, it's okay. Like I, you know, don't need to go to the concert experience you need to go to this concert experience if you are a fan. So um, totally worth your while for sure. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you. I hope you have that post eras tour glow. I know that I don't think mine still hasn't worn off. Um, and cause it is, but it's very strong right after like where it's just like mm-hmm. everything in life is just a little bit more sparkly. <laughs> I know at PT today too. I was like, excuse me, Dr. Greg, we, I need the heiress tour playlist on the Spotify for the session today. Like, and he's like, what? I was like, yes. And he's like country. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Greg, are we starting there with you? <laughs> yeah, all us. I ran five laps on the Milwaukee course, and like there was someone who had a, a boombox. It's not a boombox speakers. Um, I'm like aging myself, and I think two out of my five laps when I went by Taylor Swift songs were playing, oh, and I was yeah. like, I don't know who that was who had that out there, Thank but you. like one yes. was Shake It Off. I can't remember the other one, but it was like one of those things. Like I recognize my brain recognized it, and I get like a little dopamine hit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but I feel, I feel like at this point, um, we can thank our listeners for listening to one of the longest intro episodes that we have ever done, but we had two very important events to wrap up. Um, we are not going to dive into the mailbag today because of that reason. We have already spent plenty of time catching up on things, but send in your mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be going through those in some future weeks. But we do, despite what you may have thought, that maybe you thought this was just an Alyssa and Haley Ketchup episode, we have a really fun interview for you all today. Yeah, and this is a topical one because we mentioned, okay, the podium for the PTO US Open Women's Race. Taylor Nib was first, Ash Gentle second, Paula Finley third, and fourth place. Lucy Byram. And so incredible, incredible race that she had there. Uh, she had a bike split, Alyssa. I don't know if you caught this. It was only 15 seconds slower than Taylor Nib. Wow. So Lucy, I mean, incredible, incredible race. Lucy's a young British athlete. And I think her, I think the, this week, this week that it's airing, it was like on August 8th, great birthday, but um, she just turned 24. So happy birthday to Lucy. And what a way to celebrate with that incredible race in Milwaukee. We did record this conversation with Lucy before the US Open, and we talked to her about her great start of the year. She won at Clash Miami, Challenge Puerto Varas, and Challenge Wales. Her plan for the year was to target the Challenge Family World bonus as well as these PTO Opens, and she's doing a great job of that. So you can listen to our full conversation with Lucy and hear where you might be able to see her next uh, in our interview right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you. So we are about halfway through the year and Challenge recently announced that you have a more than 200 point lead in the Challenge Family World Bonus standings. And if you maintain that lead, you'll earn a $25,000 bonus at the end of the year. So has winning the Challenge Family World Bonus been a primary goal for you this entire year? Um, I think this year it has, yeah. Last year I ended up finishing third, which I didn't aim for it. I didn't really know about it. So yeah, this year, I think, obviously, wanting to get a bit higher than third. So yeah, this year has definitely been a focus of that. Yeah. 
So can you tell us a little bit more about what goes into planning your season when you are going for the Challenge Family World bonus? Are you trying to target specific challenge races and how many races do you need to do? Yeah, so you need to do six six races to count. Well, you can do less, but obviously six gets you the maximum points that you can get. And obviously, um, yeah, I tried to do local ones. So we, we did have Challenge Wales, which is like the closest one for me. So I did that one and then just kind of sticking in Europe. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, did head over to Miami and Chile, which was a really good trip, um, which obviously you were there as well. Um, so, yeah, um, I've got, I think I've done five now, so I can do one more to try and get as many points as possible. Um, so, yeah, I'll try to do another one at some point. Do you Did know you other, oh, oh, I was just going to say, do you know other athletes who are also trying to target these races or um, do you feel like you had the best plan of everyone? Because it's a quite a bit of money. I think it's a hot total of $125,000 prize purse. Yeah, it is a big purse. I feel like the past um, few years, it's getting a bit, everyone seems to know about it a little bit more, but not very many people seem to aim for it. Maybe a handful of athletes. So yeah, it's a really good one to know about and to aim for definitely. And when you were season planning, did you kind of leave options open? Like if things were, weren't going as well, or if like another opportunity opened up or something, you would pivot or were you pretty much set on like, this is the goal for 2023? I think obviously, cause I've done five at the beginning, like this is only halfway through the season. So I've already done five. So I kind of plan to get at least three or four done um, before knowing like obviously like the PTO or anything like that. So trying to get some at the beginning of the year done and obviously then you know how many points you've got and then you can decide later on in the year because I might not need to do any more but I think I will I'll probably do a couple more but yeah we'll we'll decide after yeah a bit extend that lead um if you can so we sometimes hear a lot of athlete sponsor bonuses about them being tied to Ironman branded races are your sponsors supportive of you taking the challenge route or does it just make more financial sense at this point in your career yeah I, my, my sponsors don't decide anything I've got a nutrition sponsor and a wheel company that give me some wheels and tube obviously helped me out but nothing like official so they don't really decide what I race which is nice obviously um but yeah obviously the challenge races help pro athletes out a lot so obviously that's why yeah, I do them races. You get generally get free entry. They normally help you put you up and things like that. So they're much more friendly races, to be fair. So yeah, they always help you out. I think it's only a matter of time too before you're seeing some more lucrative things in your contracts as well. Um, but it sounds like you're racing smart to kind of you know make the money happen for yourself, which is exciting to see. Um, and Lucy, you had arguably the best start to the 2023 season of any athlete winning Clash Miami and Challenge Pertuveras in March. Did you do anything specific during the off season or early part of that season to set yourself up to race so well early in the year? Um, not really. I think it was the, it was the first time getting a, a coach. So I got a coach back in July so I guess that was like the first winter working with the coach so maybe that might have had something to do with it um and then yeah I just went on a training camp and yeah it just seemed to work beginning of half the year and who are you being coached by can you share a little bit more about how that started yeah so he's called Jacob Tipper um he's an ex-professional cyclist is now dabbling in a bit of triathlon um so I'm we bumped into him at one of the Leeds uh, World Series triathlons he was just chilling out with the hoop hoop gang so we bumped into him my boyfriend knew who he was and 
yeah, we just approached him to see if he wanted to coach me. Sounds like it's working well. And aside from the occasional winter trip uh, to a camp, you live and train in Great Britain in Leeds, and you've done really well in cold races like Puerto Varas as well as Challenge Wales. But you've also raced really well in the heat in Miami. So did you do anything special to prepare for the conditions in Miami? Um, I did a little bit. I did like a few hot baths and things like that, but I didn't specifically do anything. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing PTO America. So obviously that's going to be hot as well. So I've started doing a little bit. I've set up the garage and doing a bit of like hot term and things like that. But yeah, I, I obviously like to have like a sauna and things like that, but I don't have that. So I just have to do like hot baths and things like that. Yeah. And what about during the races? Yeah. Do you have like any uh, heat management tips or tricks that you're doing during the time of actually racing to stay cooler? Yeah, I guess it's just, well, when you get ice, I guess it's just grabbing ice and putting it down your suit and things. Um, but Tom Bishop mentioned, because I've only just started using the Camelback for some races, I just started trying it out, but he used to put ice in it, which I guess would be a really good way of cooling yourself down, like keeping that with you all the time. But yeah, just grabbing water all the time just throwing on yourself trying to keep hold of it as well and just yeah and so this is the camelback in the front of your jersey correct yeah down the front you try to the first time you heard that you were asked to do this were you like are you is this real (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've seen I've seen a few other people do it and like obviously the photos on the bike aren't the best but yeah I, I tried it at um challenge Wales for the first time and yeah it didn't really affect me but yeah and yeah, so, I did see a recent YouTube from Holly Lawrence as well, where she did some arrow testing and it is supposed to help with kind of arrow gains and things like that. So was it like, you know, did you intend on it for that purpose or was it kind of like a cooling or is it hit, you know, one stone, two birds, one stone? I don't know. <laughs> um, obviously not well for cooling, but um, for my bike, I can't have like a bottle between like it's not yeah because I'm trying to go narrower so ideally I can't if I can't have a bottle there then I could put it down there so that's what I'm trying out at the minute to try and put all my nutrition in there instead of a bottle on the front of the bike okay and do you find that easy to get nutrition to just drink out of a tube from the camel back in your front and it's worth the time maybe a little extra time spent in transition putting that camel back down your tri-suit yeah I think it worked it seemed to work um but yeah, I was I was a bit hesitant because obviously I saw the video of um was it Hogan Hog um putting the thing down his tricep and I was like, oh no, I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, I think it was a few seconds and then yeah, you've got your straw always there. So it was pretty easy to to drink from, yeah. I like, do like your... the idea of oh. ice. I like the idea of ice down there. That's not a, that mm, actually yeah, is nice. a good one. I wonder if we're gonna yeah. see a bunch of people in Kona doing that this year. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Lucy, your um, third win of 2023 came at Challenge Wales, where you were defending champion. And so in 2022, Wales was your first professional win. And in Tim Hemming's article for Triathlete Magazine that you, it it says that you actually stopped to help an athlete who had crashed on the bike course. So can you tell us about that experience? Uh, Yeah, it was like not quite half through the bike and it was just a man face down at the side in some bushes um, and a few athletes rode past but they didn't really seem to stop so yeah I just obviously I didn't want to stop but then you do because you switch off the race and just think yeah try and help him so yeah I stopped and he wasn't really in a good way so I 
tried to find some houses to knock on, but we were in the middle of nowhere in Wales. <laughs> it wasn't really like there's anyone there. So I just shout to one of the riders um, to like carry on and get like a car or something, get some help. So a few minutes later, like three or four minutes later, an ambulance car came over so that I could carry on. Yeah. What was it like to to carry on <laughs> after that? I mean, that's kind of a big event, right? And I assume you were kind of able to, were you able to see how the person was doing enough to like know that they would be okay or how did you change your mental headspace again to get back into the moment of racing um yeah like obviously once the paramedics and things came they were like yeah you go thanks and things like that but um yeah I, I was I was like a little bit angry not not obviously for stopping but like because it's might have potentially ruined my race um it was probably only like four or five minutes but a few girls had come past me so obviously that fires you up a little bit so I think that obviously might have fired me up to like go quite hard on the bike so I managed to catch them on the bike so then I guess that put my headspace a bit better after that yeah and so when you stopped you were leading the race yeah yeah wow that I mean but you still won I mean what did that feel mm. like extra validating then to win knowing that you had stopped done this good deed um and you know and but lost time but you still managed to win did that kind of just give you a little extra a bit of confidence that if things go a little smoother, then you'll win by even more. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was obviously not regretting during the race, but thinking, oh no, is this ruined my race? But then when you come through and still win, yeah, it's quite nice to know that you'd stopped and then still won. So yeah. So how did it feel in 2023 to defend your title and hopefully um a few less events on the on the course of that uh race? Yeah, there's there's no events, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was nice to obviously defend my first like win. So yeah, it was yeah, it was a good feeling, definitely. And Lucy, I think that you started racing triathlon as a university student in Leeds. So can you tell us more about your start in sport and how you how you found triathlon? Yeah, so um I think I did my first triathlon when I was around eight years old. Um, just from our running club, they just set up like a little section in there and we just started swimming and riding together and things like that so I've been doing it quite a while but kind of only seriously when I came to uni um so yeah there's in Leeds there's quite a good system of triathlon set up here so there's like four or five different squads that you can train with like whether you just want to do it for fun or whether you want to like race in the British series or internationally so yeah there's pretty good squad here and then obviously there's like the elite squad with that had like Lucy Buckingham non-Stanford, Vicky Holland, Brownies. So yeah, it's a it was a pretty good squad to come to. And that's kind of why I came to Leeds to that being more serious in triathlon. And so as a university student, I believe you were targeting more draft legal Olympic style racing, but it seems like you pretty quickly realized that that wasn't for you and you turned to the longer distance races. So can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Yeah, I I was never really I obviously really enjoy triathlon, but the Argy bargy the swim and things like that was never <laughs> was never my thing. So um yeah, I just thought I think it was during COVID um yeah when kind of everyone's just kind of trying new things. So um yeah, I kind of looked up to Lucy Hall, Lucy Buckingham. So she's obviously really close and kind of encouraged me into it. Um so yeah, I tried my first one in at the end of 2021, I think it was. Um so yeah, that was that was kind of the first one that I tried, and yeah, I won the British series, the British um, Championships. So that was 
how you got your pro license so I don't think I if I didn't get it then I don't know if I'd have tried again I'm not really sure but um yeah I just got it and then I entered a few more pro races that year and just yeah just loved it and were you self-coaching through that transition to the your first longer distance races yeah um Lucy Buckingham and Matt Buckingham kind of like were guiding me so it was quite nice to have them and just yeah do what they do kind of um but yeah there's kind of a set structure in Leeds that everyone kind of follows so there's always people doing the same things on the same day so you kind of just go out and there's a bike session that day there's a run session that day so it kind of it's like a structure for Leeds anyway so that was kind of it and then yeah just self self-coached really yeah can you tell us about the structure of, of Leeds <laughs> athletes and then how the weeks are set uh, yeah, I think it it's kind of stemmed from like the Brownies just being here for like I don't know how many years they've been here, but everyone that comes to Leeds kind of does the same structure. So yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday run session, Saturday run session, Thursday bike session, swim Monday to Friday, and then yeah, just long rides Wednesday, long rides Sunday, and a few gyms thrown in there, and then I feel like they run probably every day in between but a few of us have days off and things like that so it's quite big volume that's kind of like the ethos of Leeds um so it was when I came to uni first um my long rides were like an hour and a half like once a week so it was a bit of a um yeah a bit of a learning curve when I came here so but yeah I think it's it's worked out for me and then yeah still working now so so most of the time are you doing you're doing a group workout then with other people uh or do you occasionally do workouts on your own or is it mostly with other people since I've turned long it's kind of on my own I there's a few of the long course athletes that I train with but obviously you do your own session anyway so I guess you roll out together and then do your own sessions and roll back together um so yeah I kind of do more on my own now but the swim sessions there's a little squad so we do all them together which is obviously useful and then yeah uh, my coach sets me my own run and bike sessions, so I just do them on my own. I warm up with people. And how are the facilities there? I mean, imagine they're pretty nice. Like the pool's pretty nice. The, are the roads good for riding? Yeah, the the roads are okay. Like they're okay. And um, obviously, when we go to Europe, like the rest of Europe, they you're just like, oh, these are so nice compared to the roads around Leeds. Um, yeah, they seem they seem a bit more bumpy around Leeds, but um, yeah, I think obviously then when you go anywhere else, you just appreciate how smooth and how fast you can go, I guess. And, and what a, oh, go ahead. What about the weather there? I don't think of Leeds as necessarily the best like training destination weather-wise, but um, are you there year round or do people find another home base for maybe harsher conditions during the year? Um, well, it's currently raining right now and it has been pretty much all week. So um, um, we have kind of like two or three months of the year where it's not great and you're on the turbo pretty much every time. Um, but yeah, we'll try and get away for like a month in January time, which is kind of when you're wanting to build back into training fully. So yeah, kind of head off to Spain or anywhere else that we can get a bit of sun and slightly higher temperatures. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned Lucy Buckingham, but there's a lot of star power in that group. Uh, Olympic medalists like the Brownleys, Olympic medal hopefuls like Beth Potter, and you have Ironman champions like Ruth Astle. So has anyone offered advice, um, aside from Lucy, I guess, which you already mentioned, but have, have you ever, have you received any additional advice 
from those superstars of the sport that you found especially helpful? Um, I don't know if it's advice, but I think it's just like kind of not kind of copying. And then I guess you ask questions. Um, but yeah, obviously Ruth's like a superpower on the bike. So just um, trying to like look what she does and things like that. But yeah, I guess it's just kind of everyone's obviously super friendly and just will help you um, and guide you in the sport. And obviously um, I'm kind of new to obviously like all the sponsors and things like that. So I don't really know how to approach things. So obviously Al and Ruth have kind of given me advice on things like that, which is useful because I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I think it's just more of them just being friendly and just that you can just ask them and they'll just help you because they obviously want you to do well as well. And Lucy, you have raced Ironman branded events. You even won an Ironman 70.3 race in Italy last year. So we know you've qualified for the 70.3 world championship, but I think we saw that you've decided not to race. Um, we think because it's the same weekend as your brother's <laughs> wedding. And we often get questions from listeners trying to maintain that balance between sport and life. So we'd love to hear kind of how you figured out your priorities, like in this instance, and just in general with, with sport and life and how to work it all out. Yeah, I, I qualified then and obviously I was really excited. I thought when, when they were planning the wedding, I was like, no races are normally in August. Not August is normally like a, a chill time of year. So I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. And then my mum texted me like, no, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that this year. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of disappointed, but also like it will be my first year at the world champs. So like, I can't really expect big things. Obviously I would like to try and see where I am at, at that level, but it's not really a big deal. And I'm not really that bothered this year. So obviously I would have gone if it wasn't the wedding day, but yeah, it's not, it's not something that I'm that bothered this year, but yeah, obviously the next few years when hopefully I feel stronger and things like that, I, I can actually go put a good performance through. So yeah, I'm not too bothered, but obviously I'll enjoy my brother's wedding. <laughs> um, and yeah, probably might be slightly envious, but no, no I've, I feel like I've definitely made the right decision. Yeah. I mean, you do seem like someone who, you know, when you're faced with a decision, whether it's stopping to help an athlete who's crashed, um, attending your brother's wedding instead of the world championship, it does seem like you, you have a pretty like strong set of ethics and morals. Do you think that comes from your family, from your history, or is that just something you've developed on your, your own terms? Yeah, I think it's just, um, just knowing what you want to do, I guess. And it's just kind of including everyone. Obviously it's, you don't do this on your own. Like my parents helped me out loads and things like that. So it's, you don't, you don't want to be selfish so I guess yeah it's about enjoying it and yeah enjoying it with them so I'm not going to go across the world and race where they can't come or where they're enjoying something else so obviously I've definitely picked that over doing the world champs so yeah I think it's just um yeah I guess how we're brought up I think it's just I'm I feel like I'm quite a I'm not very competitive athlete which is a bit weird but um I think it's just being brought up with my sister as well. We race together and we just kind of enjoy when each other do well. So I think it, I don't know, I think like that's kind of calmed my, my sense of, uh, I don't know, I really know what to call it, but um, yeah, I'm just kind of, as long as I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of enjoying it, I guess. Um, then yeah, I'm not, I've obviously driven, but not too driven, <laughs> not where you like kind of forget um to like enjoy family things and 
have a day off if you need or move things around. So yeah, I, I think I've got the balance right. Do you do something before races to kind of like center yourself and get you maybe a little bit more fired up or tap more into that competitive side where you're like, no, like I'm racing today. Like this is the time to do it. Yeah. Um, well, the other, the other weekend I was racing um, in Austria, Challenge Walshy, and me and my boyfriend drove over. So it's kind of like a holiday. And like two days out, I was like, oh no, I still don't feel like I'm doing a race. <laughs> I need to get into the race environment. But um, luckily on the morning of the race, um, it was, oh, was it Ironman Frankfurt? Um, so we put that on the TV and obviously that um, fires you up watching other people racing. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it definitely gets me going, knowing other people are racing or knowing other people are doing well. And this week I've had, like last week, I've had a pretty chilled week and done like not very much training just to prepare me for like the upcoming races um and yeah just looking at other people's training obviously gets me really fired up and other people racing and doing well so yeah I'm eager to get back into it so I think definitely seeing other people racing and doing well gets you really fired up yeah so in the Clash Miami press conference, you mentioned that your goal for that race was to learn and grow. And so it's been about five months since then. Can you share any lessons that you've learned during that race or during the others that have helped you grow as a triathlete, even during that short amount of time? Yeah, I think it's just, um, I think before then I was on the start line, just thinking that, especially against such a good field, I, I didn't think I had the confidence to, I feel like that race definitely gave me confidence to know that no matter who's on the start list, like you can still win or you can still do really well. So I think, yeah, it just gave me confidence. And since then, I guess I just go on the start line, obviously respect the girls around me, but also know that I can potentially beat them. So even if I've never beaten them before, it's kind of, yeah, you just don't go in scared or don't go in. You obviously be respectful, but not like let them pass and things like that. So I feel like it's just taught me to, yeah believe in myself and yeah just race race who's there and race hard to the end and most of your races have been in Europe but you did travel to the U.S. and Chile this year do you like the opportunities to travel that come with pro racing and do you hope to travel a bit more oh yeah definitely um this year yeah it's, it's obviously expensive and you've got to weigh up whether you think you think you're gonna make money back but then also the opportunities that it gives you so I probably like going into PTO America it's an expensive trip for me coming over from here but it definitely I think will obviously be such a good experience um and yeah traveling new places um, that was um in March was the first time in America so yeah it was really cool to see and we got a few like um touristy days so it was quite nice and just yeah and obviously seeing Chile was amazing I'll hopefully be back there so yeah it's just amazing the places you get to see and even in Europe like going over to Austria I've never been to Austria either so that was just beautiful to see and yeah so every race that you go to you appreciate what where you go in but then also you've got to remember that you're racing so yeah Miami versus Milwaukee um quite the difference <laughs> for your taste of America <laughs> Um, I believe you'll be 24 years old next month, which is still pretty young for a long course triathlete. And um, do you have an overall progression that you hope to follow in your career? Or do you just take things one day at a time, leave that to your coach? Yeah, he, I feel like we don't really talk about like the next few years. I feel like he's got a, a plan, but um, yeah, 
I like watching the full Ironmans I do get like oh I really want to do that but I know that I feel like I shouldn't do that now <laughs> um, but yeah obviously maybe what year are we in 23 so maybe maybe 2025 I might try one at the end um which obviously gets me excited but yeah I just want to concentrate on 70.3 because I still feel like I'm really new to that as well so I want to kind of be stronger at that and then yeah maybe progress into the Ironman and you've done a few YouTube videos with your nutrition sponsor, OTE Sports. So how do you feel about the social media expectations in the sport right now? Um, yeah, it is hard. Um, it's like, I feel like I'm quite, quite quiet, but I guess people on social media compared to in real life, I feel like people, people are different. Um, some people are really good at social media. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't want to do things so I'm obviously very quiet so I feel like doing the YouTube video was not something I wanted to do and like podcasts is not something that I've previously wanted to do I think this is maybe my third or fourth one so I know it's such a good opportunity to do things like this and you have to do it as an athlete so yeah I'm definitely definitely getting trying to get used to it and trying to <laughs> get better at it um the other week I did um I got invited from my running club to do a like present the awards as be like the guest speaker so that was like such a daunting experience that I didn't want to do um just from pure fear I guess um but yeah obviously I'm really glad to do it and honored to honored to do it that they want to hear what I have to say so yeah you obviously as you grow you get expectations that you have to do so yeah I guess you just got to get used to them and and yeah try and figure out how to do it <laughs> well we're thankful that you you uh came on our show. Cause I do think your stories are, are good for our audience to hear. Uh, you mentioned the PTO us open coming up here, um, being, it sounds like your, your next major race and you did race in Ibiza. Um, I think you were sick before the start. Oh, and yeah. so you weren't able to finish, but do you think that race experience in Ibiza, like just the pre-race and just getting to know what a PTO race is like, uh, that experience will help pay off in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, definitely. That was the first big race with like obviously like the media presence the massive crowds like the athletes that I was on the start list against so yeah that was such a great experience obviously the the media that they do before the photos the drugs testing like everything was completely new to me so I guess that will mean obviously the US Open will be less daunting I'll understand what's going on and yeah so I think it's obviously I obviously didn't finish and it was really disappointing but yeah I've still learned so much and kind of understand how the world works a bit more and yeah I guess going into it I'll know what's expected and try and yeah just navigate it a bit better I guess and try not um yeah get caught up with the atmosphere as much maybe and do you have other race plans aside from the U.S. Open that you hope for the rest of the season? Um I was hopeful for PTO in Singapore but I've just been looking at prices for flights and things like that and it, that seems very expensive so I feel like um I might obviously not get into that because it's only top 20 that get into that so um that obviously would be a good opportunity but if not there's a 70.3 in Ireland on the same weekend so I potentially might do that and try and qualify for the Worlds next year um and then yeah I've passed that I've not really planned my season really so um yeah, I don't think I'll race as much in the second half of the season. Definitely not. I don't know how many races I've done so far, but maybe do like 
three or four more of the second half of the season. So, yeah, probably potentially maybe Daytona at the end of the year. Um, I've heard really good things about that one. So if I still feel like racing in December, because obviously that's such a long year from March to December. So, yeah, I think I'll just decide later in the year. But there's a few new challenge races in Italy and France as well. So I might do them in October time. But yeah, not really planned much else. Well, Lucy, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And uh, we will definitely uh, link to Instagram and things like that for people to follow you as you get in, you know, the six plus more challenge races for the season and on your way towards um, the quest for that, the Challenge Family World Bonus um, and also the PTO US Open and all of those good things. I know our listeners will be cheering you on the whole way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Lucy for that conversation and congratulations again to her and everyone else who raced in Milwaukee last weekend. Incredible racing. We are a little sad that Lucy won't be at the 70.3 world championship, but we understand life happens. And I think uh, we, you know, I hear Iron Women are going to start getting really hyped for those 70.3 worlds happening in Finland in a few weeks. And next week, we're actually talking to Haney Hardekainen, who is a Finnish athlete, and she is giving us the lowdown on that course in Lati. So definitely tune in next week for, for more insight into, uh, what's happening in Finland in a couple of weeks, but, uh, Alyssa, it was great to catch up with you and I'm so excited about you having a great time at Taylor Swift and, um, enjoy continuing to, you know, feel the glow, wear the merch and just continue to play that playlist for like months and months to come. Thanks Haley. And huge con- congratulations for the ninth place at the PTO us open. I am, I'm just pumped for you for this Kona build going into world championships in October. I'm super excited to be your hype girl for this. So here we go. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, Alyssa. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ella Natishan. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.